0: Good morning again, Toronto City Church. Wasn't that a great time of worship? I am so thankful for our worship team. And I also wanted to take the opportunity to say Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Mothers, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for all that you do. Happy Mother's Day to my wife and my mom, if you're watching. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Something else super special is coming up. And it is our pastor, Pastor Sharon's 40th birthday. Woo! So we are going to rally as a church and bless her socks off. So look out for your inbox, in your inbox for an email that we're going to send with the details on how we're going to rally as a church to bless her. Hey, She is an amazing woman. She is generous. She is kind. She is one that prays for us. She is one that has sacrificed for us. So I really want to invite you and take this opportunity and sow back into her life for all the blood, sweat, and tears she has spilled for us as a church family. So thank you so much, love you, and have an amazing rest of your day.
1: Now we have an opportunity to worship God through our giving. The giving instructions are on the screen and you can give online or through e-transfer. I encourage you today, if there's something that you need or some area in your life that's in lack, that you could trust God. I'm learning every day. I think many of us are to trust God more and more. He's a good father. He has the best in store for us. He has us as the apple of his eye. He loves us so much. I encourage you today, if there's something that you need, the Bible says, if we ask, he will give it to us. If we seek, we'll find. If we knock, the door will be opened. He's always there. He's always waiting. He always wants to be able to give good gifts to his children. Father, I thank you today that we can trust you with our finances. We can trust you with our lives, with our health. Father, I bless you. I thank you that you're a good father, that you always want to have everything in order for us because we're your children and you care for us so much. Daddy, I bless you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you again for your generosity. Now let's turn our attention to the word and what God has to say to our hearts today. Good morning, Toronto
2: City Church. It is a fantastic morning for several different reasons this morning. One being that it is Mother's Day. So I just want to shout out to all the moms. You know where you're at. They're, you know, you're at home. We're in lockdown. I want to shout out to you this morning and say happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to my mom who is amazing. She's wonderful. She has been the best thing in my life. Uh, even in these last couple of years, it's just been tremendous. My mother-in-law, I want to shout out to my mother-in-law in in whom I share a similar name, not a similar name, the same name. Uh, I want to shout out Happy Mother's Day to you as well. So wherever you are, I want to pray for you mothers as we get started this morning uh, that you would experience the power of God, you experience the presence of Jesus, the proximity of the Holy Spirit, that today would be a fantastic day for you. So Father, right now I just pray for every mom that is watching this father i pray for those that have uh that that have children those that have babies in the womb those that have lost uh babies father those that are 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 looking forward to mothering or our spiritual mothers father today i pray for them and god i pray that they would experience the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that we would experience your proximity today. God, I pray today would be a day of rest and a day of encounter. So, Father, I thank you for all the moms at Toronto City Church and we bless them today in Jesus name. Amen. And you know what, if I could have done it, I would have rolled up at your house, you know, with a bouquet of flowers, chocolates, a mug that says you're the best mom ever. Whatever the case may be, I would have done that. Obviously, we're in lockdown, so hopefully somebody has sent you something Somebody has called you, I don't I don't know. Hopefully you got a happy Mother's Day from one of your children. So I'm gonna get started. Historically on Mother's Day, I have a fancy card that one of my children has written and whatnot, but because we are homeschooling, there was no fancy, fancy card. Although, you know, I think I, think I will be getting one by the end of the day. Uh, but I do wanna start out with a little bit of mother, random, I call it random Mother's Day trivia. So I'm gonna give you a couple of stats regarding moms globally. I'm gonna be real quick because I wanna jump into the word of God but a couple of random things about Mother's Day. Number one, everybody say number one. While Mother's Day is the busiest for phone calls, Father's Day is the busiest for collect calls. That's random, did you know that? Mother's Day got a lot of calls going on, Father's Day a lot of collect calls going on. Uh, number two, Every sweater that Mr. Rogers, I don't know if you remember Mr. Rogers, it was a a TV show in my time, uh, that Mr. Rogers wore in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood was hand-knit by his mother. Once again, mothers are powerful, right? Number three, perfume is one of the most popular gifts on Mother's Day. What perfume do you wear? Because it's probably coming your way today. Hopefully, maybe in the mail, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I think there was a discount going on at the Bay, though. For those of you who have not bought your mother's gift yet, you can go ahead and see if you can get speedy delivery. Number four, uh, one-third of all births worldwide are performed without a skilled professional. One-third. That means there are women all over the world that are giving birth to children uh, and their friends are helping them out or their siblings are helping them out. What a statement. Like, that's, that's insane. That's like, wow. Next one, 70% of homes make an effort to recycle, but almost two-thirds of all those families rely on the women of the house to be the recycling enforcer. How many of you women are the recycling enforcer? I must admit that I don't do very well in, in recycling. Pastor Brennan probably would be a little bit better at me, at that than I am. Next one, the mother who gives birth to the largest baby on earth is a mother elephant. So when we're looking at all the mothers, you know, animal species, all that kind of stuff, that gives birth to a baby on earth is a mother elephant. After enduring 22 months of pregnancy, she gives birth to a blind 200-pound calf. Can you imagine carrying a 200-pound baby? Not I. Not I. Interestingly enough, the polar bear mom puts on around 400 pounds during the pregnancy. Can you imagine putting on 400 pounds? And interesting fact in that, if the mother doesn't double her weight, her body will simply reabsorb the fetus. So it's very important for the polar bear mom to to put on, you know, a lot of different, a lot amount of weight, right? The oldest mom, next one, and I'm almost done here. The oldest mom in modern history to give birth is uh, a lady... By the name of Rajo Devi Lohan from India, and she was 70 years old, people. She was 70 years old, and this was in uh, 2008. Maybe there's an older lady who's given birth since then. And she gave birth to a baby girl following IVF treatment. Now there's controversy regarding that because 70 year old woman giving birth to a baby, she must have been in good shape. Next stat there are about 2 billion women in the moms in the world. Uh, Next one, according to several studies, mothers who give birth later in life have a better chance of living longer. How is that the case? Maybe because your kids are young, they give you energy. I'm not so sure. Hopefully, you know, the Bible says with a long life, he will satisfy me. I had my kids very young, so hopefully, you know, I'll live long. Last stat. uh, Actually, I think I have two stats. Uh, second to last is Mrs. Vasilievich, I think, of Russia, gave birth to, and listen very closely, 69 children between 1725 and 1765. Now, that lady deserves a medal. 69 children. Kind of curious as to what she looks like right now. <laughs> a lot of children. That's a little bit crazy. So a little bit of trivia for you on this Mother's Day. Last one, the world's highest fertility rate exists in Niger with an average of 7.75 children born per woman. Wow, big families there. The world's lowest fertility rate are found in Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, and Singapore, where an average of 1.2 children are born per woman, per women. 1.2. I'm, I'm trying to understand the 0.2, 1.2 children per woman. So that's about one child you know, on average. So a couple little facts there, a little bit of trivia for you on this Mother's Day morning Just before I get started, I want to make mention uh, that Pastor Brennan mentioned it last week, that we're getting ready to start uh, our Legacy Series next week. We're super excited about that. Legacy offering's coming up. This is all about the vision of the house. This is all about where God's taking us. This is all about how we can participate and get involved with the mission and mandate of Toronto City Church. So I want you to put on the calendar, you know, make sure you don't miss it. Make sure you got a push notification because you want to be involved in those services and in the offering that is in the days to come so without further ado I'm gonna get started on uh, my message this morning I'm super excited about this it's gonna be kind of like a conversation kind of a well conversation maybe with myself and you (laughs) but you're not talking I'm talking Uh, a conversation around a topic that the Lord has been talking to me about Um, so I'm just gonna pray and we're gonna get started father I thank you this morning for everyone who's listening to me in their homes, on their mobile device, smartphone, whatever the case may be, however they're listening. Father, I thank you this morning that God, your word has the power to transform our lives. And Father, I thank you that you are God. There is no one like you. We turn our attention to you this morning. We hail you as King. You are the most glorious. You are you are you stand alone, Father? There is none like you. Father, we give you the glory and honor to your name this morning. And Father. Father, I thank you for the rushing of the presence of Jesus to fill households right now. Father, I thank you for those that are, are weary, those that are needing a, a, a surge of strength right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, break into households right now. Father, I thank you that your the life of Jesus, Father, is, is touching hearts, it's touching bodies right now. Father, for the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. And this morning, we yield to you. We yield to you, Father. And we thank you that you are with us, even as we gather across the city and maybe across the nations this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I wanna talk to you uh, about something particular this morning. Um, We are in a season of evaluation. Um, We're in a pressure cooker season. You know, I don't own a pressure cooker. Someone gave one to me for my uh, marriage You know, when we got our wedding, it was a wedding gift. I'm pretty sure it's in a box somewhere collecting lots of mold because I got married 16 years ago. Um, But pressure cookers are, you know, you dump a bunch of stuff in there, veggies, you know, sauce, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you can leave it to cook and it's cooked, you know, the the, the meal is cooked under pressure. And we're in a pressure cooker season and um, in this season, many of us are pressed in on all sides. And when we're pressed in and on all sides, many of you know my father-in-law has this statement that he uses over and over again. It's like a toothpaste uh, container that when you squeeze it, what's inside comes out. And what I want to do this morning is I want to kind of look at uh, this whole idea of, of being squeezed and, what, and examining what is coming out. Um, because I, I believe that's a, a, a revealer of the foundation as to what the foundation of your life is anchored on, uh, what your belief system is about, you know, what really is going on inside of you in this pressure cooker time. You know, different people are, are, are running to different things, but what, where are you? Where are you in this season? What's going on with you? So here's a topic for this morning. It is this simple word called perspective. Perspective. Perspective means this. This is your your definition of perspective. It simply is this, your point of view. It is the lens to which you see the world through, and it determines how you view others, how you view yourself, um, and everyone else around you. So once again, perspective is your point of view. It's your vantage point. It's how you, you view the world. It's how you, um, you know, the lens to which you look through, you know, it determines how you see yourself. Once again, that lens, how you see yourself, how you see others and everyone else around you. Um, I'm a glasses wearing person. I wear contacts. Most of you may not know that. You may catch me here and there wearing glasses. And I, you know what, if I do not have my glasses on, I can't see very well. Like legit, like legit, my prescription, I won't even name the numbers. Some of you will have no idea what it means. For me, the numbers are drastic. I'm believing for a complete and total, you know, 2020 vision. But for me, if I do not have my glasses on, I can't even see myself well unless I literally creep up to the mirror and it's right here and I'm looking. I can't see the details of, of my frame. You know, I can see my frame, but I can't see the details. You know, I can't see far. I can see near. I can't see far. I think that means I'm nearsighted, I think. Uh, don't quote me on that. Um, but, but if I don't have my glasses on, the lens to which I see the world is really, really, really foggy. Like, literally, really foggy. I will be bumping into all sorts of things. Um, so this one I want to talk to you about that lens. We want to talk about perspective. Um, an example of this would be, you know, perspective, when we're talking about your vantage point. Um, I live in the city of Toronto, and at night, if I look up in the sky, I may see a few stars, okay? They may be clouded by some smog, you know, a aircraft that's flying by, you know, clouds, whatever the case may be. Um, I used to live in Durham and Durham's on the east side of the city. And when I lived out there, if I looked up in the sky, I could see a little bit more stars, you know, because that from that vantage point, you didn't have the city's pollution, hustle and bustle, whatever the case may be. Now, if I, I drove in my car, hopped in my car, went to Lake Rousseau in the Muskoka area and I looked up at the sky, I probably would see the sky would be riddled with Thousands. Well, I don't know. Maybe hundreds of stars. So once again, we're all. I'm looking at the same sky. Like if it was me, my friend, somebody else. We're all looking at the same sky. But the problem is, is we have different vantage points or viewpoints to which we're seeing because one's in the city, one's in the country, one's further out in the country. Maybe looking at the same sky, but we're going to see different levels of of, of stars because of uh, our vantage point. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about this whole thing of perspective. My perspective is different in the city. I may say there's not a star in the sky. Durham, oh, it's a beautiful night. You know, I can see the Big Dipper and, you know, that little thing there. No, no, that's not a star. That's a plane that's flying, you know. Out in Muskoka, you know, that person looks up at the sky and says, oh my goodness, wow, the heavens are illuminating this, this evening, right? Different perspectives. Why is this important? Um, because in this season I don't know about you, but I've come across so many believers and people uh, that are that are um, struggling or I, I may not say the word struggling, but I've seen a lot of stuff coming from the lives of believers lately that I feel concerned about regarding their perspective, number one about God, about themselves, about you know the their worldview, about relationships, about race, Um, about politics, there is a lot of different perspectives that are out there. Um, And some of them I find more concerning than others. You know, let me take an example um, on relationships. Something that I've stumbled upon, um, and once again, I'm not trying to point the finger on anyone. I just want to have a conversation about this, is that I have, I have struggled uh, because I've heard different perspectives regarding relationships. You know, somebody may say, yeah, I'm in a relationship with this guy, and you know, it's okay for us to have sex before marriage. It's not that big of a deal. Um, I beg to differ. I have a different perspective you know, and, I, and your perspective is concerning for me because I don't believe it lines up with God's perspective. So once again, I've been listening. I've had my ear to the ground hearing different things and just trying to figure out where people are at. So we live in, and I think you would agree with me, one of the most opinionated, outspoken opinionated eras of time. You don't have to be good looking, popular, rich, fancy, smart to have a platform in these days. You can be just the other guy. You know, you can be the guy living down down the street, you know, that, you know, don't do very much for your life. You know, you could be whatever, whoever you are at this point in time, in this era, you can have your own platform because of social media. So a lot of people are, and once again, I'm not trying to say that you're not entitled to your own opinion or vantage or perspective about a thing, but I am saying that in this time and era, most of the opinions and a lot of different opinions are hitting a platform called social media uh, that is enabling people to voice different things. You're getting a lot of things that are flying around. So your friend that you never knew uh, was a supporter of, whatever, homes for cats, you know? You never knew that they were an avid supporter of homes for cats? Now you do, because they've posted this thing on social media, whether you agree or disagree, you know, if that cat should be wearing jackets and in, in, in the streets or whatever, right? Like, we live in this era where everyone is sharing their ideas. So, and, and once again, that's okay. You're entitled to your own opinion. That is free will. That is free speech. You're entitled to your own opinion. But, as a believer, big but big B-U-T, as a believer, you gotta make sure that your opinions line up with God's perspective. Once again, what is perspective? His point of view, right? His point of how he sees the world. Uh, how he sees you, how he sees others. And this is important because that will challenge how you relate to one another. That will challenge how you relate to the government, how you relate to your spouse, your children, how you, you, you think about the issues of race, the issues of abortion, whatever the case may be, all right? So we want to talk about this because I believe that we, we've got to allow the Lord to do some work in our hearts regarding perspectives in this season. According to John Maxwell's leadership team, everybody knows John Maxwell, a leadership guru, here are a couple things about perspectives. Number one, perspectives come from our perceptions, okay? Our perceptions. And once again, our perceptions of our reality control our perspective. So our perspective comes from our perceptions what are perceptions it is what we de- how we interpret things what do things mean it's our understanding of a given situation person or object so our perspective how we see the lens we see through comes from how we perceive how we interpret and our understanding of a situation person or object now here's the interesting thing about perceptions our perceptions come from and are created by our beliefs, okay? So there's the hierarchy of it. So we got our perspectives come from our perceptions and our perceptions come from our beliefs. How we view the world, our vantage point, comes from what we interpret in our situations and circumstances, you know, what we value and all that kind of stuff and how we understand things, which comes from our belief systems. And here is the beautiful thing that I want you to remember this morning. Our beliefs are created by one of two ways. Number one, either through repetition, something you learn, see, and do over and over and over again. That's one way that our belief systems are created. Repetition, something that you literally, habitually do over and over again that becomes cemented in your, 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 your core values and your beliefs, okay? Number two, according to John Maxwell leadership, is through dramatic emotional impact. So two ways that our belief systems are created. And why is this important? This is important because our belief systems frame our perception, how we interpret stuff, which frames our perspective. Okay? So the two ways, once again, repetition and through dramatic emotional impact. Why is this important for believers? Thank you for asking me from your couch. Number one is because our developing and maintaining a consistent, consistent, repetitive rhythm of understanding God, growing in God, knowing him, which comes from disciplined patterns of reading the word, prayer, worship, fasting, whatever the case may be, is a core... Uh, thing when it comes to your belief systems. So if you have perspectives, and if you hear people with perspectives that, you know, they profess to be a believer, but their perspectives are a little bit wonky, and it's not kind of biblical, or whatever, there may be that they have not created and not developed a rhythm of repetition uh, at the basis of their belief system so that how they perceive things is godly, and their perspective is godly. Because here's the thing, your belief systems, that's the core of who you are. That will direct how you evaluate a situation and then how you actually, uh, uh, the lens that you see your life through. And we've got to allow God to shift our belief systems. So here's the other thing. The other uh, way John Maxwell Leadership said that we, uh, our belief systems are created is through dramatic emotional impact. Now let's take that in the life of the believer. That is encounters with God that dramatically change you. So two things that create a core foundation for our belief systems, that affect the way we see and interpret our world, that affect the lens to which we, our vantage point, is for the life of the believer, dramatic encounters with God and repetition and developing systems of of learning, leaning on God, knowing who he is. Why is this important? This is important because so many believers, myself included in different seasons, don't do very well at those two things. So when we, you know, we get out there and we're like, oh yeah, I'm a believer, I love Jesus and stuff like this. But then I'm hearing things coming out of your mouth that are not from God's vantage point. Or I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the, and I'm saying, but that's not scripture. That's not Bible. Or better yet, you don't have a strong voice of clarity to challenge a situation or circumstance or to implement the kingdom of God because your, your perspectives are a little bit skewed. Because your perception and the way you interpret life is also skewed. And because your belief systems are on a shaky ground. Now, this whole area of encounters with God that dramatically change you, one of the things that the Lord told me was that one of the areas that the enemies come like like literally slamming believers in right now in this season because of not having the corporate worship setting is this area of worship being a primary place of encounter. So when we come together and we worship God together, there's transactions that go on in your heart with God where your life is dramatically changed. So if you're sitting at home and you're, you're, you're trying to grow in God, you're trying, to, you're trying to fight off what you're feeling, you know, the fear, the do I take a vaccine? Do I not take a vaccine? You know, do I, you know, what's happening? All this kinds of stuff. If you're at home and your heart is restless, I would encourage you to turn your eyes upon Jesus you know? Worship him. Not just read the word, worship him. Set your affections towards him, because that's the place of encounter. That's the place where we're changed forever. That's the place where your heart, something happens supernaturally, and the enemy's after your worship. That's why when we're worshiping on a Sunday morning online, get up and worship with us. Don't skip that and go straight to the message, or you're in your daily walk, take time to worship him. Put on a CD if you don't feel like you can sing, you know, whatever, but set your gaze upon him. Graham Cook said this. He's a great Bible teacher and prophet. He says, when your heart gets restless, turn to worship. When the internal atmosphere settles, return to listening. Sometimes we can't hear right because there's so much restless. There's a lack of peace, but the Bible says when we fix our eyes on him, he keeps us in perfect peace. So once again, there are a lot of different perspectives. That's our vantage point. That's like, you know, how people are opinions that are coming out. Oh, I I feel this way about this. I feel this way about this. I feel this way. And God uh, wants us to carry his perspective to planet Earth. Not moving away from, you know, opinions. Once again, we analyze, we whatever, but keeping a godly perspective regarding your faith, your family, your future, and et cetera. And it's, it's quite interesting. Um, it's not, this is really not about, you know, seeing the glass half full, half empty, being a, a, an, a, an optimist or a pessimist or whatever the case may be. This really has to do with aligning all of who you are with what God says about you, who he is, and what he's wanting to do in the here and now. It's about knowing, believing, and abiding in him. And that's my life message. Honestly, I'm all about pushing. And you'll hear me say this over and over again. It's about pushing all of who you are into the presence of God. It is about allowing His, uh, allowing your belief system to be affected by the power of the Holy Spirit and to be changed and, uh, and, and literally creating rhythms uh, to keep in that place of abiding well. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 to 16 in the Passion says this, for we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God. So let me just tell you this: you did not receive the spirit of the world system, right? So we're not, we're not out here willy-nilly, you know, taking on the world system and spirit of the world. Like we did not receive the spirit of a wor- the world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to an understanding and experience all the grace that has been lavished upon us. And we articulate. Listen to the language there. We articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the Spirit and not with the words taught by human wisdom. Woo, so powerful. We are articulating things not by the words empowered to us by the world system, by human wisdom, but by the Spirit of God. We join together with Spirit-revealed truth, with Spirit-revealed words. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit for they make no sense to him. (laughs) He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they're only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. That's why there's no point sometimes in having these crazy Facebook arguments with people about certain things because the, the like... Sometimes it needs the Spirit to illuminate these things. Those who live in the Spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things, and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. They can evaluate all things. Once again, that word, perspective, how we evaluate, how we see, you know? And it says, Who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? Christ has, and we possess Christ's perceptions. We possess Christ's perceptions, right? I'm going to read out of the message, just the end of this. It says, Isaiah's question was this, out of the message interpretation. Is there anyone around who knows what God's, who knows God's spirit? The answer should be yes, us as believers. Anyone who knows what he's doing? What a world we live in right now. Everyone's like, did anybody know what God's doing? Is there anybody around? Is there no, is there any righteous among us, you know? Um, This has been answered. Christ knows, and we have Christ's spirit, okay? So that means for us that we have the ability to perceive and look at our world from a completely different vantage point than everybody else. But often, as the Bible says here, like we have not received the spirit of this world. We've got caught in caught up in all kinds of things that I would deem in this season, which is a spirit of the age. I'm not talking about like just believers, unbelievers, like the world. We've gotten caught up in all this stuff and it's pitting brother against brother and sister against sister. But for us as believers, we have the mind of Christ. And what does that mean? We possess the Holy Spirit who reveals the thoughts and purposes of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. That means we can implement his purposes on planet earth. We can look at total destruction and see God doing something and God revamping something and shifting something. It means that we can look at a situation and others see destruction and challenge and we see potential and purpose. We could look at a time and a season in life and be the light Of the world and and take on that role when others are just like oh darkness abounds and i just don't know where to find we could be the hope that god wants his hope in us for the nations he is the hope of the nations but we can be dispensers of hope and this is huge once again when it comes to perspective what's your perspective and how do we keep good godly perspective once again, it's affected by your perceptions, how you interpret things, which really at the foundation of that is your core beliefs. The enemy is after your core beliefs. So when we have right perspectives in God and the kingdom of God, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm coming down to the end here. What does that look like for the life of the believer in, in a dark and perverse world and where, where things are all over the place, where people are crying out for help, where there's, you know, there's, racial unrest, there's um, you know, e- uh, economic failure, there's all these different things going on. What does it mean for us as believers to carry godly perspective in the kingdom of God? Number one, it means we discern well. Discernment is the act of discerning, also the power of the faculty of the mind by which one distinguishes one thing from another, to distinguish what is true from what is false, virtue from vice, The Bible says this in Proverbs 20, verse 12 in the Passion. Lovers of God have been given eyes to see with spiritual discernment and ears to hear from God. So we're in a season, once again, that we've got to discern accurately. We've got to be able to see what is godly and what is evil. We've got to train our senses, like the book of Hebrews says, to perceive evil from good. And those that are mature in Christ do that well. Those that have his perspective, his viewpoint do that well. I want to say one thing about discernment is that discernment is about distinguishing. And when we are involved in sin, it prohibits us from distinguishing well. Everything looks the same. That's why you hear I often tell my school of the spirit students this that when we're talking about discernment and we're talking about the discerning of spirit, which is a spiritual enablement that we've been given to be able to discern the source of a thing. that when we are, um, when, when people are riddled with sin, they cannot distinguish well. Instead of seeing this is right, this is wrong, everything looks blurry. So they call right wrong and wrong right. That's why for us as believers, we've got to rid ourselves of sin. We've got to confess our sins and he who promises faithful to forgive us. So number one, we discern well when we have godly perspective. Um. And you've you got to check your belief systems in order to kind of really move into that. Number two, we see well. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, for we live by faith, not by what we see with our eyes. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18 says, no wonder we don't give up. Isn't that powerful? No wonder we don't give up as believers. For even though our outer body gradually wears out, our inner being is being renewed every single day. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces in us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is unseen is temporary, for what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. What powerful scripture in that. So the enemy wants to knock away at you, knock you into a corner where you walk by your natural sight and not by faith in an unseen God. He doesn't want you to believe God for a better day. Um, And it's interesting, this whole thing of sight um, is that sight, when you don't have clear vision, or let's say for myself, I wear contacts, if one of them falls out, uh, what is affected with one clear eye, one not clear eye, is my depth perception. And depth perception is reduced when there's a loss of visual contrast. It takes two healthy eyes to focus on something and to see the image projected in a healthy way. I'm not an eye doctor. I don't understand how it all works, but that's the reality of it. And it's interesting because Ephesians 1 verse 18 says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened talking about the eyes of our heart. One translation says the imagination in light, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. We got to be able to see well. We got to be able to see beyond what we see in our natural eyes and evaluate that well and have good perspective about what God is seeing in a circumstance, right? Right? let the eyes of our heart be enlightened the spirit of wisdom and revelation we it takes revelation to have and wisdom to have good perspective that comes from god like if you want to really see well number 3 i'm almost done here is that and once again we're just talking about when 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 your your perspective is right you can hear well revelation 229 says as he who has ears let him hear what the spirit says to the church the churches I say this over the churches of Toronto, over our church. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. And this is all about proximity. I spoke about this a few weeks ago. You hear because he's close. Because you have you've you abide with him so you can distinguish well. You have a good perspective because you've you've been in the place where you're reading your word, you're knowing his ways, and then the Holy Spirit encounters you and you can hear with clarity. So many people don't hear with clarity because they've gotta learn to abide with him in proximity. So he can talk to you about who you are, who he is, and what he can do in the middle of a situation. When everybody doesn't know what to do, God knows what to do and we've gotta be close. So if you don't hear well in this season, or your perspective is a little bit off, and it's more about your personal opinion and, you know, what you feel like is going to happen, all that kind of stuff, then what I would say is go back to that place of repetition and encounter with Jesus. Okay? I, um, and I'm almost done here. One last point, but I, I, uh, I had a moment with the Lord the other day and I was about to do something. I was about to lead in something, teach on something. And I said, God, what is it that you want me to be aware of right now? Because right now I am aware of the fear that I feel <laughs> from my vantage point. I'm aware of you know, the ability to totally botch this thing, you know, all these different things. What is it that you want me to hear right now? You know what the spirit of God said to me? He said, I want you to know how close I am. I want you to know and hear my voice in close proximity and I was like it totally revolutionized my life and world in that moment and it was interesting because later I had gotten a call from a prophet friend of mine who told me he said you know what the Lord says to you right now that he is so close what powerful encounters right that shift how we then approach a current situation and lastly number four once again When you have right perspective, God's perspective, is that you do well. You do well. Some of you need to do well. Some of you are in a season where you're just like, God, I just want to do well. I just want to, I want to, I want to stand with courage. I want to move forward in right decisions. I just want to do well for my family, for my friends, for my health, whatever the case may be. And Proverbs 24, and I honestly, I admonish you to go read Proverbs 24, and I think it's the message interpretation, it's such a passage of scripture for today, okay, for this season of time. But 24 verse 13 to 14 in the Passion says, revelation knowledge is a delicacy, sweet like flowing honey that melts in your mouth. Eat as much as you can, my friend. So if my friend was standing here right now, you know, if my friend, like let's say the Kengas were here, Ed Esther and Pastor Samuel, they're friends of mine, if I was standing next to them, you know, and this passage was being read over them, I would say to them, like, let's say I was reading this to them as I was like, you know, giving them whatever advice. I'd say, eat as much revelation you can, my friend. Revelation knowledge, get it, eat it. It'll be sweet to you. It'll melt in your mouth for then you will perceive, listen to the language again, you're able to perceive what is true wisdom. We're in a time where we need true wisdom. Your future will be bright and this hope living within you will never disappoint. So once again, as I close, you will do well because your perspective about who God is, your interpretation of situations will always include a bigger God. He is able because your core belief knows that he's a man of his word, that that will produce a hope in you revelation knowledge of God and and all this, you know, who he is and his capacity, and that is true wisdom. And it won't disappoint. And then you will see and expect opportunities where others see challenges. You will have hope. That's the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. I'm gonna say that again. That hope, that feeling is that what is wanted can be had or that the events will turn out for the best. I've got to have that hope in my heart that this pandemic is going to come to an end, that we're going to be able to go back to the mall, go back to, you know, whatever the case may be, we're going to be able to worship together. I have to have hope that events will turn out for the best because I have a God who is so much greater than all that is going on right now. Chris Valentin said this, and I close with this, He said, he who has the most hope has the most influence. He who has the most hope has the most influence. So in this time, we need God's vantage point. We need his lens. We need to look through his lens because we've got to be dispensers of hope. We've got to hear well. We've got to discern well. We've got to see well, and we've got to do well. And this is a challenge that comes along with the Holy Spirit enabling you to fulfill. Like this is not a, oh my gosh, you got to do better. No, this is because your core belief system is anchored in God, because you're encountering him, you're in the word, you're praying, you're worshiping. This is because how you perceive your perceptions and how you evaluate a situation is, we may it may be a time of famine right now, but I know that God will provide. I know my God is bigger than this. And then it comes out in this whole perspective, which is, you know what, here's the thing. Like, I, I, I'm at rest, I'm at rest about who I am, I know I have a future and a plan. Every day I wake up knowing that he is for me, not against me, because I have right perspective. And that I know when to keep my mouth shut, when to speak on something and how to speak on it from God's perspective. So I wanna challenge you today in this, not your typical Mother's Day message, <laughs> kind of far from that, but I just feel like this is what the Lord was saying. This morning. And I want to pray for you. And once again, I pray that at the foundation of your perspective on life, how you perceive your world, that it would be anchored in the belief systems that are found in the word of God, that you would know your God and you would be strong in this season and do great exploits. So Father, right now, I pray for everyone that's listening. God, I thank you that you are God. There is no one like you. Father, you stand above all and see, but yet you stand so close by our side. And Father, this morning, I pray for everyone who is struggling right now to find a rhythm in worship, to try to find a rhythm in reading the word and to try to find a rhythm in seeking your face and and, and just being before you. God, I pray right now that you would bring strength to the weak right now. You're not disappointed, you're not, you're not angry, but you delight to bring strength to the places that we're weak. Father, I pray right now for those that feel like they need a fresh encounter or baptism with the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that as they begin to pray and cry out to you, God, that you would baptize them afresh and that they would have a dramatic, emotional encounter with you so that how they see what is going on and interpret it, would be changed that they would know that you are their god and you are for them and i thank you for all of this in your powerful name amen thank you once again for joining us today and i pray that you as moms you have an awesome afternoon i pray that you get tea coffee biscuits whatever your kids want to bring
1: to you and that you enjoy your time with your family amen amen Thank you so much for joining us today. We were so happy to have you with us. If you have any questions or if there's anything you need, please feel free to reach out. One of our team members will connect with you. We would be so happy to touch base with you and help you out.